just before we start the show, I want to take an opportunity to invite you to join me for the Podfluence Weekly Newsletter, which is available both on LinkedIn and through the official newsletter channel. Now, if you are on LinkedIn and it's easier for you to follow there, then please just click on the link in the show notes, which will take you straight to Podfluence on LinkedIn, where you can subscribe for free and get weekly updates on Podfluence articles as well as episodes. If you would like to subscribe to the full newsletter where you'll get additional materials and, as my little incentive to you, my pre-podcast guest checklist for you to use when you're appearing on podcast shows so that you can be fully prepared every single time, then please click the link to the official newsletter in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Let's get on with the show. Welcome to the Speaking of Influence podcast with virtual business speaker, presentation skills and influence coach, John Ball. Remember to like and subscribe. The Speaking of Influence podcast is uploaded and distributed using Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout makes it really easy to get your podcast started and out to a wide audience with lots of tips and useful tools to help you on your way. If you're interested, check the link in the show notes and start your podcast today. Okay, I'm very happy to be joined today by a lady who is very experienced in the world of influence as it comes to in a written form, the written page, not just as an author herself, but as the founder of Superbrand Publishing. I want to welcome to the show, please, Juliet Clark. Thank you, John. It's great to be here. <laughs> it's really great to speak to you. And, and I really enjoyed the conversation that we had a little while back when planning to do this recording as well. You were an absolute delight to talk to and you do so many interesting things as well. So it's, uh, it's been something I've really looking, been looking forward to to get to chat with you again today. Oh, thank you. Excellent. Tell, tell us for, for our audience what, the, what it is that you do and how you came to be doing it. So I, I don't want to say I'm the jack of all trades, but I, I'm the founder of a, a self-publishing company. So we self-publish books, but we are also very committed to working with entrepreneurs who have businesses because we have a, a couple platforms we offer that are audience building platforms. And when I say that, it's because most entrepreneurs that write books you will, you will never retire to that island next to Richard Branson's on the book. So we need to figure out how we can gather that audience, not only for your book to use it as a loss leader, a way, a way for people to get to know you, but for you to sell more products and services because of that book. So, yeah. And, and I know from, from many people in the sort of branding and even personal professional development industry, a lot of people talk about how important it can be to have a book. But I know from the professional speaking industry that, uh, that that can make a huge difference to people, not necessarily in, like you say, in revenue from the book, but in terms of classifying you as an expert because you have a book in that, in that particular area. Is that, is that something that you find that a lot of people who come to you are, are in that kind of position and looking mostly to set themselves up as, as an expert? Yes and no. And, and I'm going to preface that with not everybody should have a book. You too, Um, which probably makes me the worst publishing salesperson ever. But um, what I find in that industry is that, um, you know, we will go, and this is sort of the genesis of how our business morphed. We have entrepreneurs that are going out to those business rah-rahs. You know, I want to grow my business. I I want to build influence. I want more people to see me. And the guru in the room says, oh, you're not being recognized because you don't have a book. Well, it depends on what stage your business is in, because if you're brand new, a book is not the answer for you. You need to gather an audience, validate those products, validate what you do. And then once you have a real system in place that's getting measurable results for people, that's when the book comes around. Because then you're building that audience, you're getting that reputation, and the book becomes what we call icing on the cake. The, the real star of the show is you, if you're a solopreneur or you know most entrepreneurs. You're the star of the show, and it's, it's the expertise that you create and those things you sell around it. So the answer to that is, yes, you should have a book. Um, if you're out speaking, yes, a book does help you. 
but also having those results and, and you know those testimonials around what you do are very helpful as well. Because remember that book is just an audience warmer. Um, I'm going to talk about the quiz in a little bit. You and I discussed this, but one of the things we do really well is is ferreting out who are those people who will buy your products and services today? Who needs nurturing? And who are those people who will never take action? Which are most of the people in your speaking room? And so um, that book is that nurture. You know, that's that low, that $20, get to know me a little bit better. I loved, I loved when I saw John for the first time. I loved what he had to say, but I don't really love John yet. So that book is that, that gap to fill that gap and find out who you really are. What is it then do you think about books that kind of seems to help people feel like they know you more? Because it's not just the information in them. What, what are the important elements for, for an author to really get their audience on board with them? Your authenticity and your branding. Um, and I, I know that can't be overstated because people say that all the time, but um, I'll take you back to a time before 2016. I was sort of hiding behind a corporate logo. You know, the, but the, the company was established, but it was like a corporate company. People weren't out seeing me. When I got out and people saw me, I had this stark, stark realization that people weren't hiring my company. They were hiring me. And it was a particular kind of person because of my personality. And that's what's really important is when you hire someone, there has to be a personality that resonates. There has to be something about that person. So if you're not out there being authentic, you're, going to, you're not going to attract the right people. I literally had a coach back in 2016 who tried to make me her. And she was very soft. She was very sweet, very knowledgeable woman. And I actually put a webinar together where I had my hands out with a gift in it. And it, the webinar was a total flop. I gave the video to one of my friends and he was like, who, who was that? Like that, that wasn't you. I'm very, I work with action takers. I'm very direct to the point. Uh, you know, getting me to be tactful is probably a really hard exercise. But, but that's why people hire me is because I'm a truth teller. I'm going to tell you that what we're about to embark on is a lot of work and it's hard. And if you're not willing to do the work, I'm not your person. And so it was, it was a real wake-up call when, you know, my friend said, that wasn't you on that video. And I went back to that coach and I said, we need to do something different because you're trying to make me you. And she kind of guffawed at it. I fired her. And I branded myself differently the following week and my business took off because people got the real me. So that's really an important part of the process is that you are truly you. Do, do you find then, I mean, other than the high accountability action taking part that you also end up um, being a kind of coach to, to authors who come to work with you as well then? You know, we, we do, but it's, it's probably not in the ways you would think. Um, a lot of times when people bring me a book to publish, there are a lot of unfinished tasks that they had no idea they needed to do. So I'll give you an example. Almost everybody who comes doesn't have their endorsements in place. They don't have somebody writing the foreword who can meaning, meaningly um, sell their book. So people, will, I'll give you an example. Uh, Nicole Vick, who just published her book, she came to me in, in January of this year. We didn't get her book published till almost June because I had tasks that she needed to do to make that book hit number one. And so that's what I mean about the work. A lot of people come into this thinking, oh, I'm just going to put my book up and that's the end of it. There's a lot of work to it. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that, that there's so much work to be done other than just writing the book. There's like, writing the book only is only a small part of what actually is involved in the process then really. It, it, it's the easiest part and that, that's why it's so important to start that platform. Yeah. B- uh, at least a year out before your book is supposed to be published. So one of the things we do with the quiz platform is we, when we can catch people at the right time, we have them a year, year and a half out with that quiz and they're actually validating and and beginning to have more conversations and pre-qualifying their prospects. And the more feedback they get, the more chance they have of writing the book that will actually 
be a bestseller, will actually pique the interest of their readers because now they've had enough interaction with the readers and the quiz provides market research that they know exactly where those people are struggling. And when you can write a book that exactly addresses that in their own language, you have a bestseller. You're not guessing anymore. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because it's rather than rather than just emptying out your head of all the stuff that you think people want to know, you're actually finding out where there's pain, where there's challenges and, and addressing them. And if you can be very clear about that, then people are going to know you're the person I need to come to to learn that. So, yeah, I, I get that entirely. Yeah. How do you feel about books as, as a point of influence in somebody's career uh, other than establishing people as an expert how influential do you still think books are because it seems that sometimes seems that less and less people actually take the time to read <laughs> that is so true i just did a, a pod to publish campaign with tracy hazard and tina Dietz, and Tra- tracy hazard helps people with their podcasts so um, the whole point of it was we can take your podcast we can pull out some nuggets of a self-help book for people and then create a book and then create an audio book about 30% of the people who purchase books actually finish them. Some of them never crack the book. So does that make you influential? Mm, probably not. Um, however, audiobooks are the new craze. Most people are time crazy. They don't have time to sit down and read anymore, but they have time to go out and run. They have car time on the way to and from work or when they're taking the kids someplace. So audiobooks, actually a much higher percentage of people uh, finish them. So, but the, but the, the quandary there is you have to have the book before you can have the audio book. So you have to still go through the process, but that's a great question because, you know, people have ADHD or shiny object syndrome going on. So a lot of times they won't even finish a book. Here's a great example back here. I bought uh, a new book last week, uh, Traffic Secrets. Haven't cracked it. It's just sitting back there on my Kindle. I think most people who buy books probably have a stack of unread books somewhere, if not a whole shelf full of them. Uh, but I, kn- I know for me, uh, my Kindle has uh, has a number of titles on it that haven't even been cracked open yet. Uh, but my Audible account, my audiobooks, has very few, other than that I went a bit crazy in a recent sale that they had. Uh, <laughs> so, I, so I've got about 10 books queued up from that. Uh, but nearly everything on my Audible library has been fully read or listened to. Because uh, yeah. I find it that much easier, um, but then I do find with certain books and bits of information, if it if it's really good stuff, I have to have it as a book as well. I can't just have it as an audio. I need to be able to reference it to make notes and highlight bits and stuff like that. All the things that I really uh, like to do with with great information. Yeah, that that's the same way I am. I will go listen to it on Audible, and if I think it's a good resource. Uh, especially for my clients, if you know if they're having a problem, I can say, "Hey, go go buy this book. I think it'll give you a great understanding." I, I do that. Uh, Donald Miller's Story Brand, like everybody should own that, and that's one of them that I listened to Audible, and then uh, you know I I went and bought the book. I was like, "This is a good resource for people." I think I heard you mention that in our conversation previously, and and I've put it on. It's in my library right <laughs> waiting. So, so thank you for that recommendation. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that. In in terms of in terms of the world of publishing, you have done some of your own publishing. Right? You you are an author yourself. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey towards that? I have a very long and tattered journey here. Um, yes, right out of college, I, I worked for Price Stern Sloan and HP Books. They're traditional book publishers. And from there, I went over to Shy Day Advertising and I worked on the, the Nissan account, a billion dollar account. And from there, to Mattel Toys. And at the time, you know how when you're when you're living in it, you're like, what the heck am I doing? Like I went from publishing to advertising and then I went into real estate. Um, you think, well, this makes no sense. But then in 2007, I was going through a really ugly divorce. I wrote my first mystery novel. I'd always wanted to write a mystery novel, a huge mystery novel fan. And um, my, my horrible divorce, divorce uh, created a situation where I just I killed my ex-husband in the book and everybody knew it was my ex-husband who read the book. (laughs) Um, And I mainly did it because, um, you know, I'm blonde. So felony orange, really, really, really not my color. 
<laughs> so I like to say if, if felons were royal blue, that might have turned out a little bit differently because royal blue is my color. So um, what happened with that is I decided after I wrote the book that uh, I was going to publish it with a self-publisher because I, I knew the inner workings of traditional. I didn't want to wait. And so I was like, oh, yeah, I can rock this. What happened was I delved into a self-publisher and I realized about a month in that these people weren't doing anything that served me as an author. Everything was about how could they get more money out of me and what could they sell me? And I'll give you a great example. They wanted to sell me, and I think back then it was about $2,000, the ability for me, for them to send out an email to their over million email list to quote, promote my book. And coming from, you know, the marketing world, I was like, wait, if you send that email about out about my book, that isn't 1 million mystery enthusiasts. It's 1 million people who would like at some point to publish a book. Mm-hmm. So what I'm really doing here is I'm paying you to promote yourself. And I thought, oh, that really sucks. Like that, that was awful. So um, what I did with my second book, my second book, Gypsy, is I started my own company. So between, I think there was about a year between publishing, um, I learned everything I could about how to self-publish, you know, what to self-publish, and I published my first book on my own. And then I started the platform building piece there as well because my first book didn't do very well. I think I had 113 and, you know, probably my grandmother brought bought most of those copies. Um, but then with my second book, I started actually platform building. And by my third book, I, I sold over 25,000 copies of some relatively bad mystery novels. And when I say bad, I mean, they were bad. I don't even know why people were buying them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what happened around 2013, 2014 is, is my friends started bringing me their books. They're like, I, I want to know how you did that and sold that many copies. And they were all entrepreneurs. They had all been to the same event in our town where when I lived in, in, in Southern California. And um, they wanted to publish, but they, and they had like crazy opt-ins. They had things that they'd been told to do that was marketing, but they didn't understand conversion. So I was publishing their books, but we also needed to build that audience. And that's where the quiz platform came in. Because at the end of the day, those people really needed clients from that book and from their, their services. They didn't just need to sell a book. So that's how we got to where we are today. In 2016, we really started pushing the quiz platform out the door as a platform building. And that's when the authors and or the uh, speakers and podcasters came in too, because they were like, I need a tool that is research, audience capture, and lead capture, and lead lead qualification. And that's really what the platform does. So it it allows you to have more conversations so that you can start to query and understand the feedback that your potential clients are giving you. I I can remember for myself getting in on some of the earlier days of um, Kindle self-publishing. (laughs) Uh, and getting some short information books out there now if I did now what I did then those nothing would happen like I just literally wrote the books and published them and and got some sales and I think I was pretty lucky but I think that's mainly because the 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 library wasn't swamped if you like and now it is and and people are also a lot wiser and a lot more discerning I think about what they buy as well I Mm -hmm. guess because there's so much out there. So it really does take some strategizing and, and knowing what you're doing to be able to get results. But is, is self-publishing right for everybody or do you think there are situations still where it's good to go with a publisher? Oh, I think there are absolutely. I, I will tell you, I, I don't know. I think I held this up for you earlier. I just published my my own book, my seventh book, and it, it went up to number one on, on Amazon. Um, but I struggled with, do I want to self-publish? Because I'd self-published my own books, but this was my first nonfiction. Uh, or do I want to go traditional? And I have a friend who shops traditional books, and she kept saying to me, I can get that book in. I have a publisher that will love that book. And I really went back and forth. Traditional would give me more credibility 
but I would have to wait. And would they take my voice out? And, you know, how would it serve me in other ways? So I have a book funnel with that where you can get the free shipping book funnel. I probably wouldn't be able to do that with traditional and that book funnel and the quiz I have with it. Those allowed me to generate leads and bring more clients in. So I would say a couple things. It depends on your goals and it depends on are you going to use an, a writing coach or aren't you? Because you should never write, quote, write your own book in a professional sense at, and, and try to sell it to a traditional publisher without assistance, either a ghostwriter or a writing coach. Because we, we have that tendency when we write without that to um, sort of do what I call a, a vomit book or a barf book where there's, there's too much information in it that we don't need to solve the problem we need solved. So um, that's something you really have to carefully weigh. And it should be something you do before you write the book. Because if you want traditional, you need to work with someone to write that, that proposal and get it accepted. So, it, you know, it really depends on what your goals are and where you see yourself going with it. Yeah, I can, I can remember having submitted some book proposals to publishers myself in the past that they doing the proposals was almost as much work as writing the book for the amount right. of information that they ask for and, and that they kind of want you to have your whole marketing plan essentially done for them. Um, and they, I, I was kind of wondering, well, what, other than adding their name and the printing press, what, what are they actually bringing to the table? Um, some of my clients who have worked with publishers before have said as well, like you said, about having to wait, that, yeah, they've had to wait, yeah, they've had to edit, um, a good friend of mine who's been published through a, a publishing house, um, she has said that um, in terms of writing books, advice she gave to me was um, write several chapters and an outline and don't do any more if you're planning to get it published because uh, if, if you have the whole book and deliver to them, then uh, they, they feel that you're going to be more resistant to changing elements of it that they might advise you to change. Um, mm -hmm. Is, is any of that true with the process that you use or would, would really somebody come to you um, when, they, when they have the full book? I mean, I, is the best time when the idea is there rather than when the book is written? So again, it depends on your goals. We get people who have an idea and I, I tell them, if you would like to really make this a great book, I have some people I can refer you to because I don't actually work with them on the writing piece. Um, I'm a great storyteller, but I'm an awful writer. I, I'm so heavily edited by my, by my editor. Um, so that really depends. If it's, if it's a really serious book that you would like to get up to a bestseller list, not just Amazon, but if you, know, if you can build that audience where you can get to a USA Today or a Wall Street Journal, then you need to work with a writing coach on it who can really go through and cut that out. Um, for me, most people bring me the book after the writing coach, and then we have to figure out the marketing. And that's where I said we kind of hold them off because the writing coaches don't do the exercises with them that I do about, you know, endorsements and how are we going to promote this? And are we going to put a free shipping funnel with it? Are we going to, you know, use the quiz inside the book to capture? Because you have to remember, much like podcasts that we're doing right here, uh, Amazon owns your stats for a book or BookScan owns your stats. Your stats. You know people are reading, but you don't know who's reading. And the point of that book is lead generation. It's the same thing with the podcast. I can look on iTunes and you can look on iTunes because you're going to be on my podcast next. I can see how many downloads I got, but I don't really know who's listening. Yeah. So, you know, how are we going to use that book as a lead capture? Uh, one of our clients, Merrill Chandler, we got his book over a year ago. And we still haven't published it because he, is, he sold over 2,000 copies with his book funnel, his free shipping book funnel. So he's been saying, you know, hold off doing that because I'm making more money over here because I'm bringing clients in from it. So now I'm not so concerned about it being on Amazon. So again, it really depends on what your goals are with the book. Yeah. I, I know for myself, well, I'm actually... Uh have booked a week off from client work next week to uh, to work on finishing a book that I've started about presentation skills and uh, and this is a, a very timely chat for me really in, in terms of being about to do that um, but I, I find that um, my uh, my intention for what I'm doing is that it's going to be more of a 
more of a calling card, more of a something I can give to clients that says, hey, I know what I'm talking about or uh, book me for a speaking gig kind of thing. And I think I'm pretty certainly going to go down the self-publishing route with this. But I do have other book ideas. I think, yeah, they uh, may be a bit more business focused and perhaps could do with uh, approaching some some publishing houses about that. But yeah, uh, ne- next week is going to be me me on a terrace by the sea working, working on getting oh, my book finished. And I'm looking I'm feeling bad for you right now on a terrace by the sea. So, but imagine this, you're, you've got that self, that book together and you're doing it as a calling card. Mm. So what if you had a quiz inside that book where people could assess their skills? You're about to teach them some serious success skills. Now you've just created lead capture off the book. You've put those people into your list. Maybe some of them you've actually talked to because of the way that the quiz is constructed into that high, medium, and low commitment. And then your book comes out. It's pushed to the number one on Amazon. And then most authors, once they get to number one on Amazon, they've done this big push and then nobody ever buys their book again. Then a couple weeks later, you're out speaking, you're using your quiz, you're continuing to gather leads from it using that quiz in your talks, and you're driving them to the free book funnel where they pay shipping and get your book for free and then upsell into a smaller program. You've just created a whole marketing plan that will serve you for several months after that launch and, and even further if you're using your book for, for speaking. Um, so that's that's what we do, and we do very well. Is is that piece right there? That that sounds really good. I and mean, we often hear people talking a lot about funnels, and and that uh, certainly sounds like a good one that you're talking about. Can you give us a bit more of an idea about what the what the quiz looks like? Uh, what you, what is you take people through there? Yes. Yeah, so what we do is we take your key product, program, or service, and we sit down and we discuss what are the success principles of this. What does it look like when you're talking in front of an audience and you're telling them with present, I'm going to use you as an example, presentation skills. What does it look like when you're successful with those presentation skills? So what we do is is our quiz platform breaks that down into categories. So you probably have a signature program that has three or four top categories of success. Then we craft the statements so that when you have people take out their phone at an event, because we incorporate it into your talk, they can actually go to a URL in the room and take that quiz right then there and find out how much they know about that process. And you know with technology that success is like, it, it changes pillars frequently because we have new updated technology. People don't often know what it takes to be successful in a certain area. So number one, you're defining success for them. It's a three-minute experience. So by the time they get to the bottom, they already know they know you. They can see those gaps and they're like, whoa, I've got whole categories here that I'm not achieving success in. So you're showing them that they, they actually need you. And then at the, at the bottom of the quiz or towards the end, there's a section that is what we call a commitment section. And we ask, actually ask them on a scale of one to 10, do they want to solve the problem? And of course, we position that differently. Are you willing to invest? And would you set an appointment if you qualify? And based on that, there are three different autoresponders inside the, the software self-contained. So Somebody's a high commitment and says, you know, yes, John, I want to solve this problem. My, you know, my presentation skills aren't where they need to be. I'm willing to invest. And if I'm eligible, I'll set that appointment. They're going to get your calendar. So now you have somebody who's highly invested in learning more that you have a high probability of closing. There is a medium score in there. Those people, they just may be seeing you for the first time. They love everything you have to say but they don't know who John is. Those are the people that, you know, you might or may or may not want to give your calendar to, but you definitely want to nurture. Those are your book people. You know, they need a book. So give them the opportunity to buy it. And then in any room that we speak in or any summit we're on, there's probably that 80% that is not, they're never going to take action. They go in your list, you give them a few things, you know, they're going to hit rock bottom before they come around. So now you've created a situation where you're speaking to those high commitment people, nurturing and speaking to those medium commitment people. So you're talking, pre-qualifying and talking to the right people. 
instead of out convincing people who will never spend money that they need you. So that that's what we do with that quiz. Uh, it's all custom. It's We do all the copywriting on it. We decide the funnel pieces, where we're going to drive traffic. And then my staff goes in and builds the first one. It's actually what I call a smart lead magnet because we've been, we've been running on this exchange for a long time that I'm going to give you a piece of my genius. You're going to give me an email address and, you know, wink, wink, you're never going to open that email. It's highly probable that you will never open my piece of genius, but I'm going to call it a relationship. So all's good for my ego. So this is something that's actually interactive and gives you a lot of market research because you can see the patterns as people are taking it and also the ability to get feedback and and schedule those appointments. Um, The old quiz, the other quiz platforms that are out there, they're very ego-driven and most of the time people will not book an appointment with them. Sure. I've seen some stuff around the quiz things. I haven't had that much time to investigate it before, so I'm glad to be able to get to talk to you about it. I think the one person I had seen a lot of stuff coming out of this from was Ryan Levesque. Uh, Oh, Ryan Levesque. Yeah, he's very good. Yeah, so um, I I just haven't had much time to actually go ahead and check check out what he was actually doing there, but I know a few of my friends signed up up for that as well. And uh, I did get to chat with... um, I don't know if you know Lauren Pibworth, but she was a guest on, on my show a while back. And she uses a, a quiz funnel to bring people into her business yeah. as well. Although she doesn't, I, I don't know if she actually sets that up so much for other people, but but it was great to see that in action. And, and she was saying about how good that is. But I think maybe she does set that up for people as well. Uh-huh. In, in a different way, she's not doing publishing. She's, uh, she's doing like online marketing for people. But this yeah. uh, sounds like a really good way to, to go forward because saying that these are just things that mainly if you think you want to write a book, you don't necessarily think that all of this is going to come with it as well. And, and there's, there's a lot more than just getting the book out there. Absolutely. And we do have a lot of online marketers that use it that don't even write books because they can they can lead capture, especially, and I think I told you this before, um, when COVID hit, mm. I thought there was that week where nobody did anything. They were just shell-shocked. And I was like, oh my God, my business is over. And then it really upticked because people realized that the, the lead magnets that they used back in 2016, 17, 18 were not interactive enough for you know, the, the new paradigm with, you know, people, people want contact. So, um, we, we were swamped April and May and even into June. It's it's interesting to hear that because a lot of marketers are talking about how people are, you know, old marketing strategies aren't working and people want the relationships that you say they want the contact, they want to feel some connection there and that you've actually seen that happening and that's been a reality for you in, in your business and the, with the people that you work with as well. So it is interesting to hear that actually from a, a real life example rather than just the philosophizing about what, what we think is going on in marketing. Which, which is a big difference, right? <laughs> yeah, it really is. And it's interesting. One of uh, Jen Koken, who's an imposter syndrome coach, just wrote me a, uh, a testimonial over on LinkedIn. You know, she, she'd been doing summits for a while and nothing was working. She got on one the first time with the quiz and she four times the business that she had ever done before because people, she actually had them take the quiz and she showed them that they were suffering from imposter syndrome. And right. that's something you, you probably wouldn't even connect with or realize um, without that quiz when you're actually self-evaluating and saying, oh my gosh, that is me. And that is me. And uh, you know what? I better buy Jen's program. <laughs> well, what are the kinds of books that you most like to work with help getting published? Uh, anybody who has an online platform of some sort, it, it's, um, it's a little more difficult for the people who write the book before the business is really established. We've had a few of those this year. But our people who have an online platform are, it's it's really it, it's really been successful with. We have a book coming out um, in the fall from uh, Jane Fonda's personal trainer for the last twenty years, mm-hmm. and connected to that is a platform that 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 trainer has been putting together where you can subscribe for I think it's like twenty sixty and a hundred dollars a month and actually get you know the workouts that she works with celebrities with. 
and, you know, go online and do the videos and all that. Stuff like that for me is really fun because I really, I really get to see a lot of a business in action and what people are doing with their marketing as well. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you get to build some pretty cool relationships as well through, through your work. I do. I, I love, I don't take anybody I don't love. <laughs> I hate to tell you that if I tell you no, there's something that's like going off in my head, like this person isn't going to do the work. And I always, is this is horrible for coaches, um, but I, I feel bad when the work isn't done and, and I shouldn't, it's not my personal responsibility, but I want to see everybody I work with be successful. So if, if I get any inkling that the work is not going to be there, I, I say no. So, cause I want to work with fun people, fun people that I don't have to nag. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I, I work for, I do work for a coaching company where they send me clients. So I don't have a lot of control over, over that so much. But, uh, although if it's really not a fit with that person, then I can definitely say, um, I think maybe you should work with another coach. But uh, in my own private business where I get to select who I, who I work with, I only select people who I know are going to actually do this, who are positioned, leveraged, motivated, and, and really ready to go. And, and they're going to show up because one thing I, I don't want in my own business is people end up being dissatisfied if they get partway through something and they sort of lose interest in it or, or get distracted onto something else and they don't actually follow through and finish it. And it's frustrating mm-hmm. for them and for me and, and it must be similar for you in, in that position as well. But also there's so much that needs to happen before the book goes through as well, that if you're sort of planning everything ahead to the publishing, that, uh, that it's, that's a big frustration. Mm-hmm. That, that's definitely true. We sit down at the very beginning when they bring us the book and we craft out a schedule and some people are really freaked out by it. You know, they'll come in and say, I want the book released by, we just had someone to do this by September. And when I gave them the list of things that had to be done, they were like, this isn't happening in September, is it? <laughs> well, not unless you want to work 24-7. <laughs> how, how important is it these days still to get onto bestsellers lists with releasing a book? You know, that, that's, that's a really good question. So the Amazon bestseller list is easy to get to. And consequently, so many people have cheated to get on it that I don't think it matters much. Um, we do we do have a bestseller program, but we don't charge as much as the other people because we're literally working with you to leverage lists for it, lists and social media. And so it's pretty easy to get you there if you'll do the work. If you want to get to a big bestseller list, a USA Today, um, a, a Wall Street Journal, you're going to have to sell a lot of books. And for self-published books, it's not likely that you're going to get a New York Times bestseller. It's just, there's too many books. There's too, there are too many big people. If you notice, there's usually a celebrity book at the top of the list because they have great PR firms. I do have a friend who self-published her way into the USA Today bestseller list. And she shared with me that she, she has a great list. She had to sell in excess of 7,500 books in one week. Wow. But she has been working at this since she started the same time I did, 2007. And she has a way of cultivating her list. She doesn't leverage other people's lists where literally if you don't open an email in 30 days, you're gone because she wants a clean list of people who will open and go buy that book. But the way that served her, because a lot of people are afraid to delete from their list, the way that that served her is she just recently made the New York Times bestseller list because she was a co-writer on another big author's book. So um, you just, it depends on your goals and it, it also depends on how much money you want to spend because I have people who can get you to a New York Times bestseller list, but you're going to pay a right. lot of money to get there. <laughs> yeah, I, I can well imagine. But like, even, even getting to that sort of level of sales, it, does that not get to some level of profitability or is it really still uh, a bit of a, a loss leader for, for setting you up for whatever? Um, there's profitability there. If you're with a traditional publisher, you're probably going to get a dollar, a dollar fifty a copy. But you know, they may or may not have given you an advance too that you're working off of. So there's profitability there. But ultimately, even those people making the bestseller list, they're they're making money from their products and services as well. Because when you have that many people buying, there's a really good chance that they're going to come in and buy some other things from you. They're following you for a reason. Yeah. 
I, I know that a lot of the people who are doing um, self-publishing these days are also doing online courses and programs alongside with that. And from what you're saying, it sounds like it may be better to have the online courses and programs developed first and yes. then move into the, the book writing after you have some level of success with that. Yes. And I, I'm going to bring up two points there. Um, if you want to do that free shipping book funnel, which is a great way for people to experience your products, you need it developed first because if you've ever used one of those, you're going to, you know, you're going to buy my free book for, you know, and you're going to pay shipping. So I think it's 887 when you go through my funnel. But as soon as you click that, you're also going to get an offer for a $97 program that you're only going to see once. So that's why you need that in place is because it's going to come up automatically as uh, an upsell on that funnel. So that's the first thing. The second thing, if you're working with a self-publisher and they give you a contract, you need to read it carefully. We just ran into a situation where one of my past clients um, worked with a writing coach. And as part of that, he referred her to another company. She brought me the contract. And they published your book very cheaply, but there was a little clause in there that said that they get 30% of anything you sell online. For her, she's making about 200000 a year. So when I pointed that out to her, I was like, are, are you willing to give them 60, 70, I don't do math well, um, you know, $80,000 of your profit yeah. in order to p- just pay them 1000 to publish your book? And she was like, absolutely not. So be really, really read that contract well, because you may be giving away the farm to someone when you could go out and pay, you know, anywhere from five to 10,000, it's out of your pocket, but that person who you paid that to doesn't take anything else of your profits. So be careful when you read your contract. There, there seem to be a lot of different ways to self-publishing these days. And some of them are just like electronic publishing. Some of them just audiobook publishing. Some of them are a blend of uh, physical books as well. And level, different levels of help in actually getting to um, a finished product. So do you have different options for people there? Or is it that there's one method that you prefer to work with people on? I do. I do have different methods. Uh, the publishing package is not just a you pay me, I design, or my staff designs, and you know we publish, and you're on your way. You get a lot of personal help. Um, I've got the, the mentioned uh, Jane Fonda's personal trainer. Um, we meet every week, and we're going to be meeting every week from June up until November when that book releases because we've got a lot of things to do in between. So um, that is our basic publishing package. We really only have one quote publishing package, but the add-ons with the quiz and the add-ons with the book funnels, and you know we can do some Amazon advertising. So so it just, we have the one package, but then there are add-ons to it that are marketing pieces. Okay. On, on average, how, how much is the investment for people to work with somebody like you? So if you just want publishing, it's 5000 If you work with the other pieces of it, it's 12000 12, So w- once you get those add-ons on there... And even though it sounds like a monstrous piece of money, you're, remember, you're also learning how to market your business in a better way. So it, it's going to, the ROI on it is, um, I think I mentioned Jane, uh, Jen Koken. Yeah. She literally, when she wrote the testimonial, she's like, I got my money back in one talk. So it, it, it just depends on what you want. <laughs> that's, why, that's why I say it's an investment because, because it is to, to work with something like that. It's not just, it's not a cost really. You should, if, if you're going to be able to earn that back really quickly through talks and courses and whatever mm-hmm. else, then, then it's really a small, small price to pay for reasonably fast result. Most people are not going to create that level of uh, success or that high quality of funnel in, in that short of time, especially mm-hmm. if they're new uh, in, the, in the industry or new to marketing or business. So, yeah. so I think it's great to have people like you out there now. Because I know when I first started in self-publishing, there wasn't a lot of advice. 
and there, there wasn't a lot of people out there saying, oh, this is how to do it. I think all I really was able to find at that time, there probably was a, a Kindle book on it, I should have looked, but um, the only thing I really found was from Kindle publishing, showing me how to go through their process. Whereas now there are lots of people teaching with books, how to write books, how to get published, how to self-publish and how to finish your book, how to structure your book. You know, the, there's a lot of help out, out there right now. And thank goodness as well, because we need better quality books. Because uh, I know that in my earlier days of having looked at when I think Amazon Kindle was sort of still in its uh, infancy somewhat, that uh, some of the quality of books that were appearing on there wasn't always so great. Well, some of them still aren't so great, but um, but if you remember back when I, you probably started around the same time I did, that that Kindle free was the way to go. You could you could really get a lot of eyes on your book if you did the KDP program. Yeah. Today, I have to keep all of my clients out of the KDP program because you're you're committing when you sign that to not sell that book anyplace else, which means we can't put it on Barnes and Noble. You know, we can't put it on a website. We can't put it anywhere because Amazon, you know, this from being back then, everybody found ways to cheat the system and Amazon has feelers now that go out and they know everything and they will boot you off. So, um, cause (laughs) the people, they're listening to us right now, Julia. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know they are. But when I look back over the last 10, 15 years, every single like big writing coach or publishing coach, not every single one, but most of them that had something where you could spend $5,000 and go for a weekend, um, they basically had a plan to cheat and Amazon shut their way to cheat down. They, they caught on very quickly. And so, um, you know, you, you got to do it the right way. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Which which means for for many people, it may mean that they have to they do have to take that time to plan anyway. And um, what where should people start? If I'm so I'm thinking, I've got a book idea, and a lot of people do, especially in the sort of coaching and training and personal and professional development area. A lot of people think a book would be a good idea, or I should write a book in my area. What what should they actually think about them when they're getting started with that process? Uh. I would start them with the quiz. Let's go out and validate your idea. And let's have you talking to people that are taking that quiz um, now that you've created a, a space for conversations and really find out, look at the patterns of the people taking the quiz. Is that the right book? Have those conversations with people and really have your ears open for, am I writing the right book that's really going to help people? Because if you can do that, you've just validated your idea. And not only have you validated your idea, but you probably got some other ideas about how you can connect a program to that book or how you can connect some other marketing ideas to that book. The number one reason that people get in trouble with mark with coaches and marketing and all that is they have a great idea they go out and they shoot a course they create a course they shoot a course they put it all together and then they go to sell it and they're looking for an audience if you've built your audience first and then deliver it will sell if you do it as my father used to say ask backwards um it's going to be a flop so you use that quiz to validate your book idea, your course idea, your marketing idea. Yeah. So there, there really are no shortcuts to bringing a book to market these days. <laughs> there really aren't any, unless you're a really super independently wealthy and you can pay a lot of money just to pay people to do it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So everyone seems so I know it's half the battle seems to be getting the book getting the book written and so this might be blowing a few people's minds that there's so much more to it than that but uh, but it's it's what you need to know and yet I still think it's worth it I still think it's worth it to go through this process and to to get to that position especially if you're looking to establish yourself with a, a high level of credibility in the world absolutely and I'm just going to mention here I, not to pump my book but um, This book right here is 77 pages. If you're out writing a big, long, two, 300 page book, more than likely people are not going to get through it. If you have a principle to teach, um, keep it short, keep it under a hundred pages because people don't have a huge attention span. So don't think you have to go out and write a novel with that first book either. 
So your, your book there, I think that's really good advice. Your book there is, is a, maybe a lead magnet for you then, is that right? Um, it's not really a lead magnet for me. This is actually, it's called Pitch Slapped because I got tired of everybody. You go into a room, people don't say, hey, John, how you doing? God, that's a great coffee shop behind you. What do you do? What's going on with you? What do you like? They never have a conversation. They just go right into the pitch and they have no idea if you're their ideal audience. They have no, and it's just obnoxious. And that's sort of, that's what we use the quiz platform for. So I talk a lot about how to build a, a pretty good quiz in there. So do I use it as a lead magnet? No, but I use it as the loss leader. So I have the free book ship, the free shipping book funnel so yeah. that, and I have a quiz in there. I have a pitch slap quiz so I can find out who those readers are and, and make them. So it is a little bit of lead magnet in that sense, but also get them into that free book, that, that free shipping funnel so I can upsell them into a boot camp. Do, do you think people still are better off getting a physical copy of a book than a digital download? I don't, I like that. I like to hold something in my hand and I don't like to waste printer paper. Cause I, I can't, I'm not one of those who can read like the whole book online. So yes, I, I think so. Or that audio. I'm such a audible. I should own part of your company. I spend so much money every month because I probably go through eight or nine books a month. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm similar. I I get through at least two audio books a week, and uh, yeah, it's uh, I'm completely addicted to them. I, I so, think. I, sorry, <laughs> I think I, I downloaded Blinkist as well, which has all the book summaries. But uh-huh. I, don't, I don't have time to listen to all my audio books, listen to the podcast that I like, and to listen to Blinkist as well. So I've had to cut back to it, uh, but I love my Audible books. Okay, so I have to ask a personal question. Yeah. What speed do you listen to it on? Um, generally at double speed. Yeah, so am I. And it's so funny because when I talk to people in person now, I'm like, oh my God, just give birth. You talk so slow. No. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but that only for nonfiction. Uh, but um, I've, I've been listening to The Testaments by Margaret Atwood, which is beautiful, especially because Anne Dowd is on it and I love her. And um, and so I, I realized that I was listening to it on double T. I'll put it back up on speed. But like I said, so it was so slow. And uh, I, I was having trouble with it. I think, just relax, breathe into it. Let it be slow. Let it be a story. This is the pace that they're delivering it at. The actors want to do it at that speed. Okay, let's be okay with that. Uh, but for fiction, yeah. I mean, if the, if the speaker, the narrator is really slow, then it might be two and a half or three times. But, uh-huh. uh, but yeah, at least double for nonfiction. It's so funny because if I put it, I, I usually use it when I'm hiking or running. And if I'm running and it's on one speed, like just regular, I'm just like, oh, it's not even invigorating. It's just like, oh my gosh, you're bringing me down, dude. <laughs> it's amazing how you can, you can tune yourself into listening much higher. I mean, I did, I did an experiment a while back just to try and get myself up to um, three times more regularly. Um, I, I just sometimes found that, uh, especially if the narrator was quite fast anyway, that I was just missing words. But at that speed, some of the words aren't very clear. Um, but quite often, I can listen on three times the speed. It's less enjoyable. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's less enjoyable because it feels like, you know, you're really having to stay tuned into it. Uh, whereas on double speed, I can still sort of keep a track of what I'm doing whilst I'm out walking and not have to be too focused still, um, but still able to listen well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I but think is, that's a sweet spot. But isn't it amazing how much information you take in doing that? Oh, yeah. Because between that and podcasts, I've, it's so funny because I, I started watching a little more TV lately and I was thinking about it. Is it COVID or is it just because I'm exhausted from all the information I'm taking in during the day? Yeah, I, I don't watch much TV. Um, maybe uh, I like to watch one program of something online in the evening of, <laughs> before I sort of stop and read for a bit or something. But uh, yeah, uh, so, I, so I miss a lot of what goes on with like network channels and stuff. And uh, but I'm not sad about it. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I I feel I feel my life is better off for it. I, I like to have. Uh, I like to get more sort of independently sourced media wherever possible. And, and I love learning. I think my, I'd rather put my energy into learning than to getting all the latest about exactly what's happening with everything everywhere. 
um, that if I'm learning good information, that's more valuable to me and that I can still choose where I want to put focus on life. I haven't got someone else telling me where I should be putting my focus in life. So I think yeah. that's really valuable to me. That That's very true. I don't know. I think you're probably about my age. Did your grandma watch soaps when you were a kid? <laughs> um, my, my family are from an area in the UK called Merseyside, uh, which is across the Mersey from Liverpool. And it was um, it was compulsory viewing to watch Coronation Street, if you've ever heard of that. What is, is that? It's, I, I think it's possibly one of the, if not the longest running soap opera, uh, certainly in, in the UK. And um, it's, it's really just life around uh, a northern street in, uh, I think it's supposed to be like Manchester sort of area. And, um, and it's been running for years, just the daily lives of these folks who are, you know, uh, as, as normal people do, regularly coming into contact with uh, terrorists and kidnappers and uh, <laughs> whatever else. Wow. So, yeah, I don't watch it myself. I don't think I've ever actually... Uh, willingly sat through an episode of it. Uh, I'm not a soap opera kind of person, but um, yeah, that's a, still a very popular soap opera in the UK. Wow. See, well, like my grandma used to watch the stories, the soaps when I was little, and that's what news feels like to me today. It's no yeah. longer like news. It's like a yeah. soap opera <laughs> yeah. with the terrorists and the kidnappers, just like yours. <laughs> I, the only ones I ever, ever enjoyed was the original Dallas and Dynasty. I, I used to love those. <laughs> back in the day but you watch them now and it's like yeah at the time it was fun but uh, they were kind of campy and funny and uh, and that was that was enjoyable but now I, I find it all you know I, I haven't got time for the drama right exactly there's no yeah. more who shot jr <laughs> <laughs> that kept us going for a long time right <laughs> back in, back in the, the shower the shower scene that never happened <laughs> <laughs> yeah they don't write stories like that anymore thank goodness but uh, <laughs> but yeah there is there uh, there is uh some amazing stuff around and i think again this is uh actually ties in a bit to some of what we're talking about that the quality of stuff that's out there people do still uh, distinguish between what is quality viewing and what isn't like what is like high value viewing what's the stuff that you should you know, if, if you're going to watch stuff that you should absolutely check out and watch just as much as they do with uh, information and books it's, it's uh, not always the case that the best sellers are the best stuff but um right. but it, there is and people do get a sense of what what has the greatest value or what's at least um catching everyone's attention at the moment okay so how do you explain the tiger king <laughs> is, there, <laughs> is there an explanation for that um well I, i'll tell you if, if we can for people who are listening this won't make a lot of sense but if i for people who are watching uh, i can change my virtual background momentarily oh no do you have like a tiger cat do you know, I honestly, I accidentally went on the first episode. I was like, oh, what is this? I didn't really, you know, think. And like after the first one, I was like, oh, my God, this is like a bad, bad car wreck. I can't look away. So I don't know well, how you explain that. <laughs> I, I don't know, but it was weirdly compulsive viewing. You're like, do people really live like this? Is this real? Are they just acting for the cameras? And it kind of seems that it was, and and it was like a like you said, it was like a bad car crash that you just can't look away from, um, but kind of thoroughly enjoyable as well. It was, and who even knew that the mullet, the mullet, like I thought that went away in the eighties. <laughs> I'm just I'm just surprised that Joe wasn't more successful in his bid for president, but uh, but there you go. <laughs> Okay, think, so does your show always devolve into this sort of nonsense? <laughs> no, but I'm not sad about it, you know. Um, I think that's uh, it, it's nice to be able to talk about some, a variety of different things as well. But it's, it's a lot of fun. And, and that, that's an important part as well. I believe it's, it's essential to have fun with what you're doing as well. And I think you do with your work, right? You say you only work with people you love. And so we, we all want to hopefully do the stuff that we love and we can have fun with. And uh, I, I think we can all bear to be a bit more playful in what we do in our lives and to be a bit less serious. Like the, the news and the world kind of seems like it's telling us to be serious all the time. Like, well, I, I don't think we actually have to go with that. Um, if you, we can still choose how we want to be experiencing our lives. 
And uh, that's why I, I try not to pay too much time, not to spend too much time with it, not to pay too much attention. I, I know I get as much information as I need. I try to stay as independent and as formed on that as I do. But I, uh, most of the stuff that's on the news, I realize I don't need to know. Mm-hmm. It doesn't yeah. apply to me. It's not. It doesn't actually inform me particularly. Doesn't uh, doesn't always affect my life. But the major stuff, yeah, sure. I'm not not ignoring what's going on in the world, but also not buying into that. I need to be afraid of it, or that I need to be in fear all the time, or, or sad, or miserable, or uh, feeling bad. I, I'm still in control of of how I get to feel in my life and how I get to experience my life. That that is so true. I sort of well, I'm very sarcastic. I roll my eyes at the offended because I'm like, you know, if you're spending all that time offended, you're not really living. You're not really living and being joyful. Right. I, I like. Uh, I think you you know who Stephen Fry is, but he's quite a well-known British TV personality, and and he said he says something along the lines of that people say I'm offended as if it as if it should really matter as if they've been really hurt and so, well you say you're offended to me and I say so what <laughs> so, right? so what what does that mean it's like do you have the right not to be offended as uh as so you know I think there's a there's a big difference between trying to trying to be mean to people and and but you still have to choose to take offense and um again it's this thing of people playing the victim in their lives right and no you're you're against me you're trying to get me it's like well they're not actually making you feel anything it's like maybe pushing buttons for you but those that's all happening internally that's your response (sighs) to it that's uh that's what's going on for you that means you have something to deal with you should actually thank them for for enlightening you that oh i have something i maybe need to work on here because this is triggering me I love that because that's how I feel when someone says they're triggered. It's like, well, you've got a lot of work to do. I, I don't have any work. My work here is done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't. I don't set out to upset people. That's not my, never my goal or mission. And I hope that I treat people with with respect and decency and kindness. Um, but if somebody's going to get upset about a joke or something that wasn't ever intended to cause upset mm-hmm. or offense, then. It's they. It's them who have the problem, and and not me. I, I will apologize if I feel that I need to, and if I've made a mistake, I'll work to correct it. But ultimately, um, I'm I'm not out to hurt anybody. I'm uh, I, I aim for kindness in my life, and I aim for having fun in my life. And if people don't like that, they don't have to be around me, and they don't have to listen to me. Well, I like being around you. So there, you didn't trigger me. <laughs> I don't know. The, I don't know the Tiger King. You're close. <laughs> <laughs> we might we might have to move away from Joe Exotic for 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 a little while. Change that virtual background back to back to what it should be. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's um, it's important to have fun in life and and to do the stuff that matters to you. And like book writing, authoring to me is like is mission stuff, and um, it should be doing what's important to you. I, I've been reading, listening to a book this week on stoicism. In fact, I listened to it as an audio book, but I know it's from a guy who has online courses about stoicism as well and really focused on Marcus Aurelius, the Roman emperor Marcus Aurelius, and how he was thinking. And, and he talks really about this, about that um, you know, people can insult you, but it'd be better to, better to decatastrophize all your situations and so, kind of say, well, um, no, I note that you insult me. So you're not actually responding to it, just having an awareness of that's happening. It's like, okay, well, you've insulted me. Okay, Uh, you've insulted me. You're the kind of person who does that. And and Mm -hmm. it sort of takes you out of it, gives you a bit of a step back from it as well. So so few of these things actually really causes a hurt or a slight uh, unless we respond to it, unless we get angry about it and have those reactions. And the aim really is to sort of say, well, you know, you can have, there can be terrible things going on. And there are terrible things going on in the world, of course. Um, but we, how we respond to them is something we still have control over. And we can still keep our inner peace. We can still keep our inner happiness, even in the worst of times. You know, there's uh, people who had terminal diagnoses and still maintain happiness in their lives and say, okay, I'll deal with it. You know, it's, mm-hmm. not, it's not what they want. It's not ideal, but um, it is what it is. And let's not going to let it suck the fun or, or joy out of what, whatever time is remaining. Absolutely. You have to learn to make margaritas from lemons. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I like that. I haven't had a margarita for a while. You might have just inspired me. 
there you go. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm wondering um, how people can find out more about working with you and uh, coming to find out more about your quiz and the process of getting to publish, publishing a book with you. Well, I'll, I'll invite you uh, to go over and take one of our quizzes. You can find it at uh, www.leadlogicquiz.com. And, or you can shoot me an email, Juliet, J-U-L-I-E-T, at superbrandpublishing.com. Just identify yourself as you heard me on John's show, so I can give John a little bit of credit and thank him. Um, but those are probably the best ways to get a hold of me or over on Facebook or LinkedIn. I'm always on Facebook out offending people every day. It's what I do there. <laughs> it's my gift. <laughs> There you go. I, I spend less and less time on Facebook. I, I, my LinkedIn is my uh, is my social media platform of choice these days. There's uh, so much less political stuff going on there, and uh, uh, I just like to keep out of it. And uh, all the people posting and sharing conspiracy theories and stuff recently is like, yeah, okay, but again, I don't need to know about it, and I'd rather not. So I just take yeah. a step back from it all and keep myself on on LinkedIn and focusing on on business and connections and relationships, which is my happy place. <laughs> that, see, that's so good. Tracy Hazard and I just gave up our Marketing Monday show. I don't, we don't know if it's ended or we've just paused it, but we saw the election coming up and we're like, yeah, I want to be on here less and less. So let's just pause the show for a while and figure out what we're going to do with it, which is funny because we get so many likes now and we're like, we literally talked yesterday and we were like, did you see all those likes we're getting? Like, we're not even doing anything. <laughs> A lot of people are moving over to to LinkedIn and other platforms these days. It's interesting, and so I wonder, I wonder what the future holds for Facebook. They're looking a bit beleaguered these days, but uh, yeah. it'll be interesting to see. Um, Julia, it's been it's been a real joy to chat to you. I'm I'm really thrilled that we diverged and digressed on some other things <laughs> because it's it's fun to actually just have a conversation and not just all be about we're just talking about books and stuff. We talk about a, a few other things that people people know about this stuff has all, all been going on lately and taking us to some really nice places as well to be able to talk about a bit of philosophy a bit of you know, looking after your internal self and not needing to get offended by everything or to uh, to be unhappy or miserable in the world i really enjoyed that and and i will definitely be checking out the quiz funnel and and chatting to you more about that i'm sure and i hope that people who are watching or listening are also going to do the same if you think you've got a book in with in you that you want to take to publishing then do check out more information from Juliet. I think you're going to appreciate it. You'll be glad you did, but be ready for the work. Yes, be ready. Thank you for having me on. And Netflix, if you're listening, if your sales spike because of us and Tiger King, <laughs> we're right here. We're waiting for our royalty checks. <laughs> you know, I don't think they're going to be too forthcoming with that, but I'm, I'm ready for it as well. I'm more than happy. Or if Netflix want to offer a show, then, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're ready. We're ready. Okay, cool. <laughs> Julia, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did and you're listening on your favorite podcast provider, please subscribe to the show and check out past episodes as well with lots of great guests covering a lot of great topics. Next week, I will be speaking with professional comedian Melanie Gale, continuing our series on humor in presentations and adding a bit of comedy into our speaker tool belts. She was a lot of fun to speak to. I know you're going to enjoy that. I'm going to be putting out some extra bonus episodes as well. So look out for those too. If you are a YouTube viewer watching the show, please like and subscribe to the channel and leave us some comments. If you think you'd be a great guest on the show or you know someone who would, please contact me, John, at presentinfluence.com or contact me through LinkedIn or through my website presentinfluence.com and I'll look forward to seeing you on another show again very soon. Have a great week.